Welcome to the Real-Time Storytime. My name is Robert R. Ricks. I'm going to be telling you guys a story. Actually, this will be the first part of the reading of my Magic Really Sucks. Yes, Magic Really Sucks, but the book doesn't. So normally what happens on the show is the fans come on, give me some keywords, some phrases, and I attempt to make a story. After last week, I decided, you know what? I'm actually going to take a break from that format for a little bit. Do some reading of Magic Really Sucks, just so people can kind of see a contrast between the live show where I just make stuff up off the top of my head and actually read one of the first of three books that's published right now in a Magic Really Sucks series. So this is going to be Magic Really Sucks, Volume 1, Revelation. And this is going to be like the first part. There will be more, but you'll know it because each one will be like Magic Really Sucks Part 1, Part 2, Part 3, Part 4, etc. So we're going to go ahead and get this thing started here. But uh, I just wanted to make sure that everybody understood what was going to happen today. So I know some folks are going to come through like Backwoods as an example and drop off some keywords and stuff. But we're going to break from that for a little bit. And I'm just going to note his keywords for another time. But for today, we are going to rock and roll with... Uh, Magic really sucks. So hang on. We're going to get this puppy started pretty quick. And then I will explain more after the intro. What's up, YouTube? It's your boy, Robert R. Ricks. And uh, what we're going to do today is uh, we're going to take a break from our normal stuff that we've done in the past with the real-time story time. I need to take a little break from that. Um, you guys might not have noticed it, but last week I was not really feeling it. So it kind of impacted the overall story. It really wasn't coming from the heart it was really forced and so I don't like to when, when the things that I do suddenly starts feeling like work then it becomes 
immensely difficult. So I have my friend Ethan here with me. Uh, we're going to actually start reading from... We're going to start reading from the book of magic really sucks. Yes, indeed. That's what we're going to do. I'm going to perform a live reading. So so it still is a real-time story time. Just the format's going to be a little bit different. Um, and it's not like every week is going to be magic really sucks. It's probably just the next maybe two to three is going to be that. And then I'll do some more real-time story time traditional I'll do a few episodes like that, and I'll go back to doing some more reading and things of that nature. And that way, I can kind of kill uh, two birds with one stone. I really, 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 really have been trying to figure out how to promote this. And if I have some of it out, then you guys should check it out. You know what I mean? So, without further ado, since we are uh, time-constrained, I'll say hello to the folks that are here. Lyra Lope, Backwoods, Paula, and uh, Garen. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, I know Backwoods probably just came through real quick and dropped off his uh, keywords. Those keywords will be noted, and I will have them set to the side uh, for another episode. So, let us get into Magic Really Sucks. Prologue. It begins. Cerberus Gaming Incorporated Parking Garage. 10.25 p.m. April 3rd, Salt Lake City, Utah. Mordecai pulled his blade from the demon's skull. The demon's foul, black, oily blood sizzled on the satin finish of the longsword. Eldritch runes glowed on the surface of the flawless blade, seeming to hunger for more demon blood. He wiped the grime from it on the demon's clothing and grinned. The night was proving to be productive, and at the rate he was going, he would have the situation resolved quickly. Any more of these buggers around? He asked, already knowing the answer. The garage was unnaturally dark, and the area was dimly lit by the moon which seemed to linger, watching the killing play out within the cold, hard enclosure. No, we're clear, said a soft, lovely voice in his mind. Thanks, Cat. What's left on the list? From the reports we have, there's just a Nephilim and three upper-level targets guarding him. Right. Remind me again why we're going through all this trouble instead of just offing the Nephilim. The Council ranks this as a high-level target. One, they felt you were uniquely qualified to assess, and if the situation called for it, dispatching the Nephilim. Evaluating his potential and mindset is vital. But if you'd like it simplified for you, we have orders. Remember those? Mordecai waved it away and chuckled. I'm just saying, this would all be so much quicker. You'll see her soon enough. You really should let her know how you feel. Cat said in a soothing tone. What? Who? Mordecai asked, his tone shifting slightly. Fiona. Hey, hey, hey. That's private information, love. You need to stay out of Minogan. Relax, Mordecai. Your secret's safe with me. Yeah? Let's get back to the job, eh? So, next on the agenda is... Two ways to go now. Listening. Mordecai was focused and intense. Take a frontal approach and hunt his guards like the others. Or... Find out from Ethan where they are specifically... 
where they are at specifically. It's a safer bet they are monitoring him and have positioned themselves close to him in his life. So either way will work. What's your thinking? Let's see the Nephilim up close and personal, gather information. Mordecai nodded. Okay. He glanced at the building across from him and smiled. The demon's body began to dissolve slowly into a puddle of oily black ooze. Mordecai traced glowing symbols in the air. He started to glow slightly, and tendrils of electricity flowed from his skin and danced playfully along the length of his sword. A brilliant flash filled the air, and he vanished. A moment later, the lights in the garage flickered and came back on. The only evidence that Mordecai had been there was the black oily stain left on the ground where the demon had died and a strong scent of ozone that hung heavy in the air. Chapter 1. Net This Cerberus Gaming Incorporated Building 10.30 p.m. April 3rd, Salt Lake City, Utah Ethan stared at his screen with growing frustration and aggravation. I hate this, man! He had been working on a configuration for two days and the solution had eluded him. Normally, a stalled install wouldn't have been this big of a deal. But this project was the project. The one that the fate of the entire company hinged on. Or, at least that's what his boss, Margot, would have everyone believe. Relax, bro. You got this, said Randy, Ethan's best friend of 20 years. Randy was a medium-sized man, showing gray around the normal places and a wild glint in his eyes. Randy continued, I mean, in the great computer time shift of Y2K, who was there to save the day? Ethan scowled at Randy and slowly sighed. Me. Let's not forget when everyone was losing their minds in 2008, 2011, and the Mayans' doomsday in 2012. Might I say that was my all-time favorite. Need I go on? Ethan shook his head. No, I get it. I, I usually fly in and save the day. I'm not so sure this time. Something is off. Way off. It's, it's almost as if the server doesn't want to work. Off? Like how? Ethan moved his chair to the left and allowed Randy to slide in and drive the computer. Let your dear old buddy take a look-see here. Cool, man. I'm going to grab another cup of coffee. You want anything? Nah, man. I got me a monster warming up. Dude, that's disgusting. A warm monster? Yep, that's the game of juice of the gods, my man. Plus, warm is the way to go. Ethan was an oddity of the core group of software developers and sysadmins that he didn't, in that he didn't drink soda or energy drinks. No Coke, no Jolt, no Dr. Pepper, no Monster, no Red Bull, nothing. But he did enjoy a good cup of coffee. The crew would rib him hard. They called him old-timer. And truth be told, he was long in the tooth in the IT world. He had been writing code since the early 90s, and unlike many of his peers, had managed to work steadily in just a handful of companies. He prided himself on that fact. Excuse me. He prided himself on the fact that he was loyal to the companies that employed him. It was like a badge of honor. He had plenty of opportunities to rise through the ranks, but he always liked to be in the thick of it and never left the trenches of development. Time was catching up with him, and at the age of 44, the all-nighters were a thing of the past, and he had had a hard time keeping up with the young bucks who were constantly rotating in and out of the company. Next to Randy, 
Margo was one of the longest of the non-founders of the company, and you would think that would foster a sense of camaraderie, and you'd be wrong. As time went on, she seemed to grow in hostility towards him. He could not figure it out. Time and time again, he had risen to the occasion and handled whatever crisis had popped up. Ethan approached the office break room, which was decent in size and filled with two large fridges, fully packed pantry, and six large tables. The lights flickered on as he entered the room, and he approached the office coffee station and started brewing up the perfect cup of coffee. As he watched the display flash showing the progress, he was unaware that Margot had entered the break room as well. This sucks, he sighed to himself. What sucks? Margot said in a snarky tone. Ethan wasn't startled. He knew there was still a few people left in the office at the late hour, and Margot was always one of them. She wouldn't leave until well after midnight. He glanced back at her and met her gaze. This deadline. It's way too aggressive. We need to slow it down a little to allow for proper QA and testing. We got too early, we could end up with a support nightmare like we had back in 2013. Margot nodded. That was a bad year for the company. Many thought it would be the end. Look, I get what you're saying, Ethan, but we all have a job to do. Yours is to get the damn server component working. Her stare was piercing and cold. Yeah, 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 okay. He threw his hands up in surrender and sighed. Margot walked to the fridge and pulled out a brown sack, sat in the middle of the room and plugged in her headphones and faintly, Ethan could hear the weekend Starboy playing. When his coffee finished brewing, he stirred in some Italian cream creamer and returned to his desk. Randy was sitting there with a grin on his face. What? I found your problem. You, you did? Yep. It was clear as day in your error log, bro. What are you talking about? I already looked in there, and every time I ran the damn thing, it would just give me a blank page. Randy pointed to the screen, and there was a simple log on screen which greeted Ethan. Are you friggin' kidding me? Ethan said with a small smile growing. Easy there, chief. That was pretty close to an actual F-word. I could correct you and explain the proper usage if you like. Seriously, it wasn't working. Log in. Okay, chief. Username. Admin. And the password? Is it the standard company super secure one? Yeah. They both chuckled at that. The company-wide password for development was 123456. Randy hit the enter key. The system logged in, and a dashboard showed up with fresh numbers pouring in. I'll be. Looks like you're the savior this time. I learned from the great master. Randy gave a slight bow. Ethan smiled, realizing if the server was working, that would mean he was at the head of schedule as opposed to being behind. He leaned in close. Dude, this is between you and me. Don't let anyone else know yet. It'll cost you. How much? Three. Seriously? You know they say in a damn can you shouldn't drink more than two of those a day. Randy looked shocked. Really? Oh my god! I had like six today, and the day before that, and the day before that. Okay, deal. I'll bring in three tomorrow. Cool, man. Make sure they're warm. Got it. Go ahead and check the code in. You clocking out? Yeah, man, I'm wasted. I just want to head home. It'll be nice to finally get some normal sleep. Sleep? What the hell is that? 
Ethan grabbed his Maxpedition sling bag and grinned as he headed for the elevators. The last thing he wanted was for Margo to see him leave without some sort of explanation, and revealing to her that the server was up and running would mean new objective and tasks. He was burned out, tired, and just wanted to go home. He pressed the down button on the elevator and waited impatiently. The door slowly opened and he jumped in and pressed the lobby button as quickly as, human quickly as humanly possible. Shifting on his feet, he waited for what seemed an eternity for the doors to close. And the doors closed. He heard the hum of the motors engage and the elevator started to move. A moment later it lurched and the lights inside flickered once, then twice, then went out. At that exact moment, the air shifted, and the temperature dipped just a bit. Seriously? The elevator had stopped moving, and Ethan was in complete darkness. He sighed, and then he heard the sound. Someone else sighed. Tough day, eh? The sudden voice startled him. He knew no one else was in the elevator when he had gotten in. Who's there? Relax, mate. Just a friend with a couple of questions for you. How'd you get in here? Ethan fished around for his cell phone and pulled it out. Pressing the side power button, he realized it didn't turn on. Yeah, that's not going to work. Not while I'm here. What do you mean, not while you're here? Yeah, me and electronics don't play well together. Sorry about that. I didn't know you were in the elevator when I ported here. Bad timing, though. I can imagine other more embarrassing scenarios. Ported? Ethan was feeling nervous, he pushed his phone back in his pocket. In his other pocket was his knife. He pulled it out, and as it engaged, it sounded unnaturally loud as it flipped open. Hi, hi, hi. No need for that, I assure you. I'm just here to ask you a few questions. Just some friendly conversations all, mate. I'm sorry. I'm scared of the dark, and this is freaking me out. Ethan's voice was flat. He felt his face heat up as he was embarrassed to admit his fear of the dark. Fair enough. One sec. I got a solution for that. There was a snapping sound and a faint bluish-green glow filled in and grew in intensity. And Ethan saw a large man standing roughly six foot five inches, lean, with a slightly exaggerated look. The man was holding a medallion on a chain from around his neck, up to illuminate the elevator. Who, who are you? Ethan cautiously, slightly, asked Ethan cautiously, slightly mesmerized by the glowing stone. I'll get to that in a second. First things first, don't stare too long at the stone. It's a dream stone. Next thing you know, you'll be waking up in a week in a hospital wondering what happened. But it's the only glowy thing I got on me at the moment that won't freak you out. I travel light. Sorry. Ethan knew there was truth to what the tall man was saying, as he had felt his mind wandering as if going to some faraway dreamland so familiar and safe. He tore his eyes away and shook his head quickly. Cool, mate. Okay, listen. My name's Mordecai, and under normal conditions, I'd never bother you. But being as these ain't normal times, and time is of the essence here, I kind of have to break a rule. I had to kind of break a few rules. Know what I mean? Ethan nodded, not knowing why. Yeah, I do. Great, we're making off swell here. Okay, listen. Do you know Amarga or Amarga Arash? Yeah, she's my boss. Ah, really? Do you like her? No, 
not really. Okay, great. Uh, how about Randy Jones? Yeah, he's my best friend. Shite. Really? Yeah, why? One more. Melissa Kramer. Yeah, she's my ex-girlfriend. Well, you hate her, right? Well, hate is such a strong word, but I suppose I slightly dislike her because she dumped me. Why? Do you happen to know where all three are at? Uh, Margo and Randy are upstairs in the main office area? I would think Melissa would be at her apartment. Why? What the hell is going on? Okay. I'm just going to give it to you straight as I can without frying your brain. You're Ethan Higashi. You lost your mom and dad when you were a kid. Raised in a foster home after foster home until the ripe age of 18 when they unleashed you on the world. You've always been a curious lad. Been real good at figuring out puzzles and complex things. You don't like to travel much. Keep to yourself and just like to solve stuff, right? Yeah, I suppose. Well, that's all crap. Reality is your father was a watcher. Your mother was a high-order monk. When you were born, you were stolen. Something went wrong in those foster homes. You never manifested. But these idiots don't know what I know. What? You're a Nephilim. You age differently. So in human years, you're like, what, 45? 44. I'll be 45 tomorrow. Well, happy early birthday, Boyo. The tall man pulled his backpack around to his front and allowed the talisman to fall flat against his chest. Ethan saw what looked like shadowy tattoos on Mordecai's chest, and as he moved and the light shifted, the tattoo seemed to move on its own. Well, in a day or so, you're going to manifest, and power will flow to you. At least, that's what I've been told. And when you do, they're going to try to take you and break you in very mean ways to do what they want. Which is... To kill a whole lot of good people for status, and it's my job to make sure that kind of stuff don't happen. Wait, so you're saying I'm not human? Yep. You know that sounds crazy, right? Really? Yes. Well then, I suppose we'll need to prove it then. How do you suppose we do that? Ethan said with a more with more sarcasm in his voice. You're gonna have to see them for what they really are, and when you do. You stay nice and calm and bring them out the front of the building for me, into my trap, so I can dispatch them nice and clean. Then we get the old girlfriend. Wait, um, you were, uh, <clears throat> intimate with her? Who? Your ex? Yeah. Well, maybe you don't want to see her with the goggles then. We'll just start with you two upstairs then, alright? Tall man handed a pair of metallic goggles to Ethan. I get it. This is some sort of crazy-ass YouTube prank. Ha ha, funny. Good one, Randy. YouTube? Just put them on, mate, Mordecai said with an irritated tone. Ethan slid on the goggles, which at first were too loose, and a second later, they tightened themselves. What the? Ethan exclaimed, startled by the movement of the goggles. Look around. What do you see? said Mordecai, amused. The elevator glowed like it was tagged up with glow-in-the-dark symbols of various shades and colors. What is all of that? Ah, I'd guess a bunch of those are just location glyphs, kind of like address markers. Magics use them to get around. Think GPS coordinates, but with dimensional twist. Anyways, 
You got the plan, right? Don't worry about them seeing the goggles. They're special. I want them back when we're done. Ethan again found himself nodding. Something about Mordecai felt familiar. Yeah, I look at him with the goggles and then lead him outside. Ethan smiled to himself. This was a good prank. He didn't know how Randy had pulled this off, but he was willing to play along and see where it would lead. He loved a good YouTube prank, and he imagined this one was going to go crazy viral. One problem, though, Mordecai. What's that? Elevator's broke. Or is it? Mordecai pulled his medallion back in his shirt, and a darkness came, but Ethan could still see clearly. He knew the lights were out, but he was able to see with enhanced clarity and extreme detail. He watched as Mordecai traced his fingers in the air, and as he did, a faint glow trailed behind until it made a complicated symbol, which glowed for an instant, and then a small black hole appeared, and Mordecai touched it, and it just sucked him in, and he was gone. The lights came back on, and the elevator started moving again. When it hit the lobby, he clicked the top floor again, and waited for the elevator to reach the office level. As he walked back into his office, there were many more of the glowing symbols, and he noticed a lot more were around Margot's office and Randy's cube. He walked over to Randy's desk, and he saw that Randy wasn't there. He shrugged, figured all the monster energy drinks must have gotten to his friend, so he wandered back towards the break area where he had last seen Margot. Make sure to stay calm, said a female voice. What? Ethan whispered. It's me, on your head, the goggles. My friends call me Cat. When I show you the true nature of things, your first instinct is going to be to run or scream or vomit. I can help you with that, but you'll have to let me help you. How? First, you don't need to speak. Just think, and I can hear you. Like this? Yes, that's perfect. Mordecai forgets the details. He means well, but like I said, sometimes he forgets things like explaining communication. Yeah, he's a little off, right? Yes, and just so you know, this isn't YouTube. This is not a prank. This is very dangerous. So, do I have permission to help you override some of your basic fire flight? D dangerous? Um, yeah, I guess so. Great, one sec. Ethan felt a cold electrical sensation flow through his mind. Whoa, that's weird. Yes, and just in time. Don't lose it, okay? What? Ethan heard footsteps coming from behind him. It's the one known as Margot. Do not freak. She might kill you where you stand if she suspects. Uh, okay. Ethan turned to see Margot, and when he beheld her true form, his face didn't move since Cat controlled all of his facial muscles to prevent the scream and the look of sheer horror that normally would fill anyone's face when they witnessed what he saw at that moment. Margot was easily seven feet tall, had skin that was oily and black that oozed as if covered with a thick layer of Vaseline. Her veins protruded out of her skin as if they were trying to escape, and he could see them pulse at a very slow rate. Her eyes were cold and black with white retinas. Her jaw hung open with rows and rows of razor-sharp teeth. 
Holy hell, holy hell, holy hell, holy hell, holy hell, what is that? That is Margot. She's a lesser demon. She's not the one we need to be careful of. Your BFF, who's coming behind you, is the real winner here. How's the server coming, Ethan? Randy, oops. How's the server coming, Ethan? Randy said you're close. Yeah, close, but not, not quite there. Oh, I botched this whole fucking thing. Sorry. How's the server coming, Ethan? Randy said you're close. Yeah, close, but not quite there. Right, my man? Said a familiar voice of Randy. Say something, Kat said urgently. Yeah, I figure by tomorrow or day after we're probably good. It better be or else, Ethan. This company needs a solid win. Margot turned and shambled off to her office. Remember the plan. We need to get them outside. Dude, what the hell? Why'd you come back? I thought you were heading home for some Z's. I was. When Ethan turned to see Randy, Cat worked extra hard to keep him from vomiting. Hang in there. Randy stood at six foot six inches, weighed close to 700 pounds. His body was slick and covered with the same Vaseline-like material as Margot's, but open wounds and scabbed covered his skin as well. Multiple piercings covered his skin. He had just a single eye, and his hand had six fingers, all extremely long and taloned. His eye was also completely black with white retina that kept scanning Ethan from top to bottom. Randy's nose was large and bulbous and sniffed constantly. I was, but when I got outside, I, I saw some crazy stuff that spooked me and I decided it was safer in here than out there. What, like some gang bangers or something? Or, or something. I couldn't see very well. It, it was over by the employee park and I figured since all the break-ins that happened last month, it might be a good idea if we all checked it out together as a group or we could call the cops i mean it's their job for stuff like this right ethan nodded i suck at this i don't know how to lure people i, I mean monsters outside yes i see that do you know how to run yeah why are you fast dude are you okay let's call the cops i need for you to scream nephilim and then run to the stairs. What? Ethan. Man, you okay? Say something. Um, Nephilim? Ethan said in a harsh whisper. As Ethan uttered the words, Randy's eye focused and narrowed on him. What? What did you say? I said Nephilim? Run. Ethan took a breath, sprinted as he heard a terrible roar behind him. He passed Margot's office as a huge claw reached out for him and he ducked, just barely avoiding being snatched. He turned a corner and started jumping stairs as he went. He heard the thunderous booming of Randy hot on his tail. His breath was labored and he pushed harder. Faster! I'm going as fast as I can! Let me help! A brilliant flash emitted from goggles and Randy stumbled, crashed into the wall as Ethan made the next turn. One flight of stairs remained. Where was Margot? He got to the bottom, heard a huge crash behind him. Don't look back, keep going. He dove through the door and made it outside into the parking lot. The door exploded behind him, and he watched as Randy tore towards him. Suddenly, the look on Randy's face shifted to confusion, and a large blade suddenly materialized from one side of his head to the other. Hello, mate. 
Boy, are you an ugly one. Mordecai! Mordecai quickly spun around. Margo was standing there, glaring at him. Hello. Good to see my reputation precedes me. I'd remember a mug as ugly as yours. She swung her long, emaciated arms towards him in a wicked swipe, and he nimbly dodged out of the way. Please back up more. She can close the distance quickly, warned Cat. Ethan backed up between two cars and kept watching. What do you want with the Nephilim? screamed Margo. Just trying to keep him out of your grubby hands is all. There are others who watch him, she hissed. Yeah, 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 I know. I gotten some so far. Margot kept attacking, and each time she did, she was punished by a wicked counterattack. Each cut bit deep, and a glowing yellowish liquid was pouring out of dozens of wounds. If we can't have him, she turned to face Ethan and charged at him with murder in her eyes, as Cat had warned. Margot closed the distance in a second. Move! cried Cat. You won't! <coughs> she was fast. But Mordecai was much, much faster. Yeah, what's that, love? Sorry, can't make out anything with all the gurgling. A long blade protruded from her forehead, close enough for Ethan to see his frosted breath on it. You are safe now, Ethan, Cat said softly. What the hell is going on? Ethan said, his mind reeling from the experience. Mordecai pulled his blade free flung Margot's body back away from Ethan. As the body landed, Ethan noticed it was starting to dissolve. I'm not kidding. I think I'm going crazy. Ethan th sat down and hugged his knees. Relax, Cat said, soothing, soothingly and warmth spread through Ethan. This can't be real, Ethan said, shaking his head slowly, playing back the events in his mind. Oh, I promise you, it is my boy. One more left, and then we can work on hiding you away nice and safe. Ethan stared at Mordecai. One more? And then he remembered his ex. Oh, man. You mean Melissa? Yep, Mordecai said with a grin. It was obvious he was enjoying himself. Yes, he enjoys this, Cat verified. She's like those? Asked Ethan, wishing at Margot's body. Mordecai nodded. Dude, I slept with her like dozens of times. Uh, try not to think about it too much. Plus, give me the goggles. No, I'll stay here, Cat said with a stern tone. She said no. She wants to stay with me? Really? Mordecai looked slightly shocked and considered something for a moment. Yes. Hm. Okay, fine by me. If she's talk, if she's taking a shining to you, she never would shut up for me, always nagging me about eating gluten-free and all that rubbish. Consider a gift from a friend. Ethan touched the goggles and put them on a forehead off of his eyes. It took a moment for them to adjust to the normal world. He realized everything seemed duller and somewhat out of focus. Yeah, takes a moment for you to get your eyes back. Now, let's go pay a visit to your old girlfriend. Chapter 2. Booty Call. Shiny Meadow Apartment Complex. Shiny Meadows Apartment Complex. Salt Lake City, Utah, 12.08 a.m., April 4th. He'll be here momentarily, said Cat. You know when he's coming? Ethan asked, surprised. 
Yes. How? I've traveled with Mordecai for many years. I've become sensitive to his aura. It is faint. I can see he's affecting your car. The dash dimmed and flickered off, and with a whoosh, Mordecai appeared in the passenger seat. Dude, how do you know where to appear? I mean, what if somebody else was sitting there before you popped in? Huh. Got me. It just doesn't work that way. I kind of feel the area before I arrive, and it just adjusts. Mordecai earlier had instructed Ethan to go ahead and drive to the parking area out in front of Melissa's apartment, and he would meet them there. Otherwise, they'd have to walk, since Mordecai's aura caused havoc with anything electrical. Mordecai, can I ask you a question? Just one? I'd imagine to be filled with all sorts of questions. <sniffs> yeah, no kidding. The one that's driving me nuts is what the hell is a Nephilim? Ah, oh, yeah. Million dollar question, right? I'm not sure you're quite ready for this, warned Cat. Cat doesn't think I'm ready for it. I'd listen to her, mate. She's a smart cookie. How about we shelf that one and revisit it after we take care of business at hand? Plus, put the goggles on so you can see what I see. Ethan pulled the goggles lower, and the world went vibrant. Even in the late hours, the world was buzzing with pulsing energy bands and symbols along the front of the apartment complex, and one unit on the third floor was glowing so bright, he wondered how it was even possible. Let me guess, her apartment is up there? Mordecai pointed at the emblazoned unit. Ethan nodded and swallowed. Not good? he asked nervously. Nope, I can't go in there. Too many protective glyphs around it. We could always get her out here, but something about that magic there feels funny. Tell me about your relationship. Who ended it? She did. She wanted me to drop everything and move to Fiji with her. Fiji? said Mordecai with a, with a more int interested gaze. Fiji? Cat's voice sounded filled with surprise. What's so interesting about Fiji? Wow. She wanted you to go to the one spot on the planet where magic is both powerful and also unregulated. No group controls Fiji. It's a neutral spot where all the powers that be have agreed no business is allowed to be conducted. It's under the domain of the god of the island. Interesting. So the breakup happened somewhat recently? Yeah, like two weeks ago. She was like, let's go to Fiji to celebrate your birthday and we can live there. I was like, are you crazy? We're in crunch time at work. I need to get this new server running. I have a life here. I can't just up and leave, which didn't go well with her. Mordecai went silent. Hmm. You know what I think, mate? I think your girl is trying to save your life. She's pretty damn odd for a demon, if you ask me. Something isn't right here. Some of the magic she has up on those windows there aren't demonic in nature. They almost look... Enochian. Yes, he is correct, said Cat, and Ethan could feel her examining the magical symbols that floated outside the apartment. Cat agrees with you. Mordecai nodded and took a deep breath. I suspect things just got a whole lot more interesting. So you told her no, and she didn't say or do anything out of the ordinary after that? Ethan thought for a moment. Yeah, she gave me a gift and a kiss and said it was over between us, and she was disappointed in me gift? Yeah, this watch. Kind of old-fashioned, a little on a steampunk style. Pulling back his shirt sleeve, he showed Mordecai. Uh-oh, said Cat softly. Uh-oh, what? 
Ethan glanced at Mordecai, who was frozen in place and didn't blink. Dude, what's up? Dude! Yeah, Mordecai is in a time loop. Did you show Randy the watch before? Yeah, he thought it was cool. Sure he did. Well, it's just you and me for the moment. I have no idea how long Mordecai will be stuck in that loop there. I'm sure we're going to learn a few things very quickly, though. Is that Melissa? Oh, man, I think so. Melissa walked out the front of the building straight towards Ethan's car. She had a strong golden glow about her and long... Oh, and large uh, silver wings. She wasn't hideous, as Ethan had feared she would be. She was magnificent and radiant. Don't allow yourself to be mesmerized of her. Notice the longsword? Sorry about my dog. Notice the longsword? Oh, crap. Yeah, what should I do? Melissa was scanning the open area and parking spots, and she examined Mordecai and seemed interested in the goggles on Ethan's eyes. Yes, she can see me, noted Cat. Is that good? Not sure. Melissa lowered the sword in motion for Ethan. Ethan, come here, please. We have some things to discuss. You're not going to try to kill me like Randy and Margot, are you? Depends on if you and your friends try anything. Are you here to kill me? Well, initially it w was the plan, but then we got here and you're like not a monster or anything and Mordecai seemed confused with you. Okay, just let her know everything, Kat said frustrated. I'm a bad liar. I don't know how to fight. She has a big sword and I'm kind of crapping my pants here. Ethan explained. Point taken. Just be careful. Okay. Okay, I guess with those on, she motioned towards the goggles. The real world is visible to you? Ethan nodded. Yes. So you see the wings and the sword? Yes. And you're not freaking out? I am. But after what I just went through with Randy and Margot, this far, this so far doesn't seem so bad. Okay, you and the goggles, you and the goggles can come inside. We'll leave your friend in the car for now. Ethan slowly exited the car and started to follow Melissa into the apartment complex. He couldn't help but notice that in this angelic form, she was much more athletic and voluptuous. Seriously, Ethan? Sorry, we were a couple before, you know. We were together. Still have feelings for her. I am a man. Sorry. He was embarrassed and he blushed. Don't be. I promise you, your thoughts are very PG-13 PG compared to what Mordecai would have been thinking. As they entered the building, a strong electrical current started to push against Ethan. Melissa noticed and tilted her head slightly. Well now, that's interesting. The wards never affected you before. Guess I'll have to lower some. Don't want you to fry out before we discuss the future. The future between you and me? Melissa waved her hand quickly, and the resistance softened till it was just a slight buzzing. No, silly, we're done. There never was going to be you and me. I'm talking about the future of man. What? Man? What does that have to do with me? Unfortunately, a lot. Let's get into the apartment and we can safely talk. Too many listening lifts around. Not safe for either one of us. He continued to follow Melissa. He had walked the same path hundreds of times before, and everything was different and fresh now. Vibrant colors, shifting patterns all around them. They got to the front of her apartment, and she knocked three times gently. 
and the door swung open. As he passed the threshold, the tiny apartment he was used to was nowhere to be seen. Instead, it was a gigantic open space filled with pillows and draped in gold and reds. Uh, even decorating? No, this is the actual pocket dimension I live in. While we are in here, very few things can get to us. So take a breath and relax. We have a lot to discuss. We are safe here indeed. This place is protected, unlike anything I've ever seen before. Okay, so want to tell me why Randy and Margo were demons trying to butt-rape me? I doubt that. Although, Margo might have enjoyed using tactics like that. Randy, though, actually really liked you. Well, great. Now I feel all guilty since Mordecai killed him and I kind of helped. Oh, no, don't feel bad. He, his physical death was a good thing. He would have killed you if he had the chance, if he suspected you were manifesting and was a threat to him and his kind. Okay, I'm confused. I know they're demons and you don't look like a demon because I'm not. Okay, so what are you? Seriously? Golden glow, wings, don't give it away. I'm an angel. Granted, a lesser angel. I was human once and earned my wings, working my way up to guardian angel. Well, I was until you popped on the radar. Wait, what? Okay, let's just go through the basics. There's magic, there's demons, there's angels. There's other stuff, but I'll let you find those things on your own. I hate spoilers, don't you? Anyways, as I was saying, there's also humans. And then there's one of you, which isn't supposed to happen anymore. Me? Yeah, not quite human, not quite extraordinary, commonly referred to as Nephilim. Yeah, back in the office, everything went crazy when I said that word. Makes sense. There hasn't been a pure-blood Nephilim walking the earth for over a thousand years. It was forbidden for such things to occur again. Your parents were either very, very naughty and didn't care, or they were trying to bring about the apocalypse. Anyway, you slice it. Not good for mankind, anyways. This is nuts. I do software development. The worst thing I ever did was make a prank virus my friends couldn't boot up their old Windows 3.11 desktop. This doesn't make any sense. It will soon, after your birthday. So what? On my birthday, suddenly become some kind of monster? Something like that. Really? Ethan asked, alarm. Not exactly a monster. She's simplifying things, trying to scare you a little. Keep her talking. Sorry, I don't get the whole demons and angel thing. Okay, I am a lesser angel. I earned my wings as a human soul, but real angels are seriously badass. And don't get me started on archangels. So as the stories go, long ago, there were just humans on the planet. Angels watched over them for God. Some of these angels thought the humans were kind of hot and sexy and decided to go down and do some earthly booty calls. There's like 200 of these angels called Watchers. Well, getting some action wasn't the worst thing they did. They taught humans magic. Uh-oh, big no-no there. And so magic entered into the world of man. Wasn't supposed to. Changed up everything. That's when the big guy stepped in and was like, Oh, you guys are so in trouble. And he like grounded them on earth, never to return to heaven. So those were the fallen watchers. One of them is your daddy. No idea. No idea who your mom is. Do me a favor, sign your name on this. Melissa handed Ethan a plain white sheet. It's fine. It's just a sheet of paper. I'm also interested in seeing your signature, said Kat with curiosity growing in her voice. 
okay, whatever. Ethan signed his name on a paper, and as he did, he noticed it flared up a brilliant purple, then red for a moment. Ah, interesting. So your mother was indeed Japanese. That purple you saw there was your bloodline. Pretty damn close to pure. You don't see that very much anymore. The red flash was definitely Watcher bloodline, but it's masked. Never seen that before. Usually lineage is supposed to be pretty easy to tell. The fizzle out part at the end means you have no magic skills at all. Yet. I'm sure that's going to change before you know it though. What does the bloodline have to do with anything? Everything to do with the type of magic. You see, humans were exposed to magic in its raw form, and as it circled the earth, it took on the forms of the humans it came in contact with. Some used it for creative purposes, some for war, some for healings, etc. Each school or type of magic has its roots in different ethnic groups. So, for example, Japanese blood magic is a strong mixture of combat and healing, and also of control. Very strong mental abilities there. Amazing martial magic. Martial magic? Like Kung Fu, but with magic mixed in there. A lot of Asian ethnic groups have martial magic. I studied Kung Fu and Kajukimbo growing up. Yeah, but you never really fought or understood what you were doing. Don't take it personal. You are raised as a human, plain and simple. So a lot of this is going to hit you hard and fast, so make sure you prepare as best you can. Those goggles will help. I assume there's someone in there as well? Ethan nodded. Yeah, her name's Cat. Cool. Well, Cat has a hell of a job ahead of her. Riding shotgun to a new Nephilim is going to be one hell of a trip. What about you? Me? There is no me. We're done, remember? I gave you a chance to head to Fiji with me, but my orders changed when you, de you decided against it. My orders are either A, kill you, or B, educate you enough to help nudge you in the right direction. You killed demons and didn't attack an angel. Seems to me you're on the right path. Plus, killing you would put a dark mark on me. And I'm really trying to do the whole guardian angel thing where I help those most in need. That's a relief, thought Ethan. Yeah, agreed Cat. What now? Ethan asked awkwardly. Now? Yeah, what do I do now? Well, in some ways you're screwed. When you whacked Randy and Margo, you basically declared war on demon kind, which you're kind of related to. Watchers gave birth to the original Nephilim, and they had children who had children, and as dark as those became demons, and demons were marked to serve Lucifer. The devil? Yeah, they fall under his control, but don't believe everything they taught you in Sunday school. The devil, Lucifer, was also part of a host of angels which were cast down, but that's because they overreached. They weren't interested all too much in humans. It was more like Lucifer was throwing, a ma throwing major moves in heaven, and he got his peepee whacked. He got a new job and he does it well, but he's not at all interested in taking everything over. He actually hates the fallen watchers because they chose to fall. So yeah, it's already a notch against you from the hell side of things. Ethan was getting nervous as the conversation continued and the gravity of what she was saying was starting to sink in. What about the heaven side of things? They despise the watchers as well. Real dishonored stuff there. They don't like you but they don't hate you. I think for the most part, depending on what you do when you manifest, that determines what they think about you. So keep your nose clean and you should be fine. Ask her about the council, interjected Cat. What about the council? He asked with no real emphasis. Oh, Cat, are you getting him up to speed on that? Melissa asked with a grin. The council. Well, 
I don't really know what they think. Your buddy out in the car there, he's a soldier of the council. You need to talk to him. The fact that they sent him in the first place means you are of interest to them. That could either be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on which faction sent him. So how long is Mordecai going to be out? Until you press the reset button on the side of the watch. Like I said, we broke up. It's a gift. A very powerful gift, I might add. Doesn't work on demons, but it does on a lot of other things. I really did enjoy our time together, Ethan. It was sweet, and you're a good guy. But power tends to change people, and with your bloodline, it could go either way. Power corrupts. We'll see if it corrupts you. Change is coming, and with you manifesting, who knows? Ethan nodded slowly and felt exhausted. He was overwhelmed. He wanted to sleep. He had a feeling if he didn't get some good sleep, it would be a very long time until he was able to again. Can I ask one favor? Depends, she said with a sideways glance. Can I crash out here and sleep? I'll leave after. I'll do you one better. I'll leave, and you can stay as long as you want. The rent here is paid up for two years. All the bills are handled. You won't be able to bring anyone else in here because of all the warding, but my guess is you're going to need a safe spot. My last gift to you. Be good and be careful. Okay. Ethan laid down on a large set of pillows and his eyes instantly fell heavy. felt heavy. I'll ward your car as well so no other human can see it. That'll keep you off some of the radar for a while. Let your friends stay in, there, stay in that time loop until you go down. Keys to the apartment are on a hook there. Fare thee well, lover. And with those words, she left the apartment. And soon after, Ethan fell into a deep slumber. And that's where we're going to end it. Right there. Because uh, we got like eight minutes left. And um, I think the next chapter... Yeah, next chapter is pretty long. So that's where we're going to stop it. We got to uh, chapter three. And we will do that on the next episode. So what I will do is I will mark this puppy. And that is... Uh, the reading of magic really sucks. If you guys have uh, some basic questions that you want to ask, um, when we get to this phase of the reading, this is where I'll open it up and let you guys throw some stuff at me. Um, this book is available right now. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it on um, Barnes and Noble, and of course, you can find it on uh, Lulu.com. Um, all of those links are available on magicreallysucks.com. There is a dedicated website. has some really cool interactive stuff on there. There's like a, a magazine that you can flip through and learn a whole lot more about it. So this is a full trilogy. It is done already. Um, all three books are out right now. So there's a, a volume one, volume two, and volume three. These are full-size novels. And they are, for the most part, PG-13. Uh, there is... That was one of the fun things that my wife kind of challenged me with. Like, I had the idea for this story um, back in 2017, I believe. I got to go back and look. I think it's 2017. I wrote it. No. Let me see. Hang on. Let me see if I can remember here. Let me see. So, it was published 2019, so 2018 is when I basically finished it. So, I started it 2018, and 
wrote all three books in basically seven months then did a couple of couple of months uh thing here <laughs> garen says well we were reading it here <laughs> so you guys are reading along as i'm doing the uh the 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 reading as well that's fun um so the whole history for Magic Really Sucks is up on magicreallysucks.com. has a lot of good information on there. Uh, there's no spoilers. The first book is the one you want to start with. Then you go to book two. Then you go to book three. It's almost like all three books are like a three-part thing. But you can't jump to two and you can't jump to three before. Because as you're reading those, you're going to be exposed to a whole lot of spoilers for one. And so if you if you read book three, for example, it's going to ruin a bunch of the gotcha moments that happen in book one and book two. Um, because I try my best when I write to make the stories really unpredictable, really fun, and really uh, different. So um, if you decide you want to read ahead go ahead with book one read that first then go book two then book three i know that sounds uh really obvious but you would be surprised at how many people um jump around they they actually go from one to the other blah 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 so anyway um that's it i hope you guys enjoyed that that was actually a lot of fun for me to read um i'm gonna be you know doing a lot of reading on this as time goes by uh, just for myself just to practice and stuff because you know um i want to get this down to the point where me and my kids can come together and actually do a full produced audiobook so obviously i'm gonna have to keep working at my speech my speaking because um with the the dentures and everything my whole speech got really whacked and so i'm trying my best to get better and better and better at reading and speaking and it is getting better but there are several times as i'm reading something i'm like oh my god this sounds fucking horrible but you know my hopes is when i really produce things like there's parts for example when there's psychic communication going on i kind of want to put a echoey effect on that uh so you as as you're listening you'll know those are psychic parts because there is a lot of psychic communication that happens throughout these stories and I think when the final produced audiobook with sound effects, music, different actors, etc., that will really, really, really bring that puppy to life the way I have it in my head. So we'll see what happens. Anyway, that's it for now. Um, I hope you guys don't mind too much that we did do a little shift. Uh, but it was one of those things where the listening group um that was coming every week was starting to dwindle and people were having to come up with extra 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 keywords and that was starting to create kind of a repetitive uh environment so i figured hell this is still a real time story time i'm still telling the story in a real time and trying my best to read it and perform it as well as i can so i figured it's still in the same vein, and, and I think you guys, uh, you know, get a story out of it. And also, as we go through this journey, you'll get um, a little more insight, and you guys will come with questions and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it will help answer certain questions that might inadvertently come up as we go through the story. And since this is live, this presents you guys with a real-time thing where you're just like, well, you know, in the first week when we were first going through this, this was stated, but now this is stated. Is there a problem with that? And then I can answer it, hopefully, without a spoiler and go from there. Um, so that, that that's what we're going to be doing on that. 
and I thank you guys very much for spending your Sunday with me. And that's going to be it for now. All right, guys. I will see you guys next time.